I was baptized into this is a sort of time when the ministry of St. John the Baptist and the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ is kind of uh, happening at the, same, at the same time. And so it's a, a good time for us to reflect on the humility of St. John the Baptist and how he's able to, uh, like he said, decrease and uh, allow our Lord Jesus Christ to increase. Uh, there's a very famous quote that I like that says, humility is to make a right estimate of oneself. Humility is to make a right estimate of oneself. All of us, I think, recognize that humility is a great Christian virtue, and of course being the opposite of pride, which is one of the biggest uh, sins. But what does humility come from, and why is it hard to sort of attain? And part of that answer is found in these final words of St. John the Baptist. This is the last time I actually hear from St. John the Baptist uh, in the Gospel. And these are sort of the final days of St. John's ministry. St. John, as you probably know, achieved a lot of popularity uh, in his last days preaching and baptizing. And lots of crowds of people came to hear him. Um, and there's a big cross-section of population, Pharisees, Sadducees, rich people, poor people. And a lot of them thought he was the reincarnation of Elijah the prophet. King Herod actually even enjoyed uh, St. John the Baptist's popularity and listened and responded to St. John's sermons in general. But when St. John spoke personally, against Herod about his sin, about living uh, with his uh, brother's wife, Herodias. Uh, Herod and his wife turned cold against, uh, against John. But we're told in the, in the passage that we read today that St. John was not yet in prison. But St. John's famousness or popularity began to decrease. It was decreasing as more and more people began to follow our Lord Jesus Christ. And so St. John's disciples were concerned about this loss of popularity that St. John was uh, kind of losing people. He didn't, they didn't want to see their prophet or their leader to be sort of in second place. So they came to him and they said, you know, the one who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he's baptizing and all are going to him. So they're warning St. John, they're saying, you're dropping in numbers. Don't you feel bad that you're not as popular as you used to be? What can we do to change your ministry, make it more exciting, make it, make it more enticing? Maybe you should rebuke Jesus. Say something to slow him down. But St. John's reply is actually the opposite. His exact words are very important. He says, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. So St. John's reply excludes the possibility of sort of fate or chance or luck as an answer to any of the circumstances. All of the events of time are under the providence of God. This is what St. John is saying in this statement. If you consider actually the entire Bible, God being in charge is present in every page of the Bible. God's control in all things as King of Kings and Lord of Lords is the unfolding of the Bible as His history. His foreknowledge and His providence in history. God sees and God knows the future. And He declares the end from the beginning like we say in Isaiah. And so St. John says, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. So when I have this proper sense of God's uh, control over the world, it does not mean that I can be lazy as a Christian and blame my lack of achievement on God. But it does mean that whatever the result of your efforts, I should see God's hand in them. And I wouldn't be jealous of another through whom God maybe apparently is achieving more. Also, we will not be proud of our imagined or actual spiritual insight or be jealous of another person's understanding if we 
are aware that even this comes from above. Our Lord Jesus Christ taught this, St. Peter also taught this, St. Paul taught this when he said, For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? St. Paul, he's talking to the Corinthians, and they're starting to be puffed up about, you know, who is the one who baptized you, and what does the ministry look like, and all this stuff. St. Paul says, what do you have that you didn't receive as a gift from God? You didn't earn, you didn't do anything to earn it yourself. He says, and if you did, and if you did receive it, why do you boast as you did not? As people who believe God's, word, uh, God's words about himself, we should recognize that all Christ-centered and totally committed service is on an equal standard before God. Empowered by God, performed for His glory, whatever the service is. St. Paul again, he says in Ephesians, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we don't take any personal credit in anything we do in God's kingdom. The second thing that St. John was aware of or demonstrates is, is a true self-awareness when he responds in verse 28, You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ. I have said, but I have been sent before him. So if I really have true humility, I have a self-awareness. Do we as believers have the same self-awareness? On one level, sometimes we can admit and recognize ourselves as nothing. God actually had the same appraisal of us when our Lord Jesus Christ said in the Gospel of St. John, apart from me or without me, you can do nothing. Apart from God, I'm nothing. Apart from Christ, I'm nothing. There's no good in me except that which is given to me from God. If a person can accept this truth, he can become something for God. If he rejects this verdict of nothingness, that I'm nothing without God, then we are actually really nothing. If a man begins to believe what God says about him, he will admit to what he really is. And then he can, once he admits to what he really is, he can enter into what he should be in Christ. Listen to what St. Paul says again in Romans, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. There's something actually interesting if you read this in the original Greek in the New Testament. The word when he says like to, to think about themselves is the same word in Greek to talk about sanity. So if I, if I read this to the word sanity, he's saying, For I say through the grace given unto me, to everyone who is among you, do not indulge in an insane estimate of yourself. Do not indulge in an insane estimate of yourself. But rather be sane about your estimate, so that your estimate of yourself is sound or the same. This is what St. John realized when he says that he, his job was just to come to announce about God, about the coming Messiah. Not for any selfish reason whatsoever. So we also need to glory in what He has done for us and bring gratitude and glory that He deserves to Him. Another fact of St. John's humility is in verse 29, he says, the one who has the bride, who is the bride in this situation? The church. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. That's our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. 
So St. John the Baptist describes himself as a friend of bridegroom, or maybe like the best man in the wedding. He says, therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. What was St. John the Baptist's greatest privilege and greatest joy? To bring attention to himself? No. It wasn't his wedding. He was only there to serve the bridegroom, the Lord Jesus. Isn't that the purpose of every one of us who is called to be a disciple of Christ? If any of you have ever been a best man or a maid of honor in a wedding, you know it's a lot of work. You do a lot of things. And at the end, but you're sort of in the background. Nobody knows any of the work you do because the day is not about you. The day is about somebody else. Right? It's about your friend who you love who's getting married. So you're willing to kind of do all this stuff behind the scenes without anybody noticing or caring or paying attention that you did it. This is what is our calling as a disciple of Christ. True humility recognizes that our Lord Jesus Christ is the one who is above all, the one who is the bridegroom. If we have our eyes and our lives fixed on Christ above all else, we would consider ourselves to be, like he told us, unprofitable servants. St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Do we do this? Live with our attention focused on the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord who saved us. So that we are being transformed by being focused on the glory of the Lord, transformed to His likeness. We received grace of a merciful God and Savior. And so we should be serving Him. Should be adorning Christ above all in our lives. He is the one who is the center stage. Everything and everyone should pale in comparison to Him. And if you look at the last part of that verse, 29, Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. What was St. John's mission? His mission was not to gather people around himself to build a church. It was to point others to the direction of the Messiah. He was emphatically stating over and over again that he was not Christ early in the beginning of his ministry. And now he clearly and again says, I am exceedingly glad, I am joyful, not because I've been successful, but that because God has caused me to be faithful, to point others to Christ. The bridegroom has come to sort of present himself to the bride, to the church, and the glory belongs to him. That's an amazing admission by St. John. True humility experiences joy in leading others to Christ. There's no greater joy for a believer than to witness others to the grace of God in our Lord Jesus Christ. God is building His kingdom through those of us who believe. And this message is proclaimed to or by believers to the world, which is lost in sort of darkness and sin. There should be no then greater joy than to be obedient to this call of Christ to share the gospel message with those who never heard it or don't understand it. Joy is found in worshiping and serving the Savior. So of saying, here I am, use me for your kingdom. Having this attitude and then doing, working. St. Paul says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My aim, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given to me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Testifying to the good news of God's grace is all of our tasks. Not just St. John, not just St. Paul, 
not just the apostles, not just the priests. Out of God's grace, He's able to use all of us to share the gospel with others. Have the courage to ask someone, you know, can I share something that I read in the Bible with you? Can I share something that touched me or affected me? The last thing in verse 30, John says, John says, He must increase, but I must decrease. He must become greater. I must become less. We, as sinners, who before the coming of Christ had no hope of anything but death, should be continually lifting up, exalting, raising up Christ. And in His love and work for us, and in His exalted position, He raises us up to God the Father. It is God's intention that in the life of, our, of the believers that our Lord Jesus Christ continues to increase in our hearts and in our minds, and our focus becomes less and less of ourselves. All I have and all I need is Christ. My only boast, my only glory is in the Redeemer and in the advancement of His kingdom. May God make it so that our greatest joy is to be having our Lord Jesus Christ increase while we increase and glory to our God forever and ever. Amen. Blessed.